is up, fantasy fam? Back at you. We've taken a few weeks off. Uh, it is just me and my uh, my lovely cousin Sven flying solo tonight. What's up? Uh, but we are here to recap uh, the finality of the 2019 season, talk about the playoffs for a quick few minutes, and then we're going to get into our main topic, which is what we saw in 2019. And what that means could, it could be a lot of different meanings uh, to you out there. It could mean patterns we saw, whether it's related to teams or divisions or positions. It could mean good things we saw, bad things we saw, ugly, whatever it is. We want to kind of point out what the patterns were to either, you know, reflect back on from 2019 or to look forward to in 2020. Uh, but let's first talk about the playoffs. Love it. Love I the mean, playoffs this year. Playoff football is the greatest thing in the world. Um, but this year, better than most, because I never thought I could cheer for a team so hard like the Tennessee Titans. I'm all in. I'm all I, in on I, the Titans. I'm so excited for them as an organization, as a as a fan base, as a team. Just, just a, it's it's that middle of the road team that's just doing damage for the first time in probably team history. They're I mean, playing ninety nine, but with, you know, with sadly with you know Steve McNair, may he right. rest in peace, but. Yeah. This is um, – I'm hoping it doesn't – it's not another Frank Wycheck behind, you know, behind the line throw to Kevin Dyson. Was that who it was? Was it Kevin Dyson? I mean, this is – I was like seven when that happened, so I don't know. Yeah, really you're know. right. You, but you weren't under. I, know, I mean, I've seen the highlights. It's one of the greatest plays in NFL history. Oh, my God. It was incredible. But um, it's, it's exciting to watch. I mean, I love watching playoff football, but it gets really tiresome when you see the Steelers and you see – the Packers and you see the Patriots and you see, you know, the same teams that are always in it. Like this year, we're no longer in it, by the way, right. We are not. So any Patriots fans that are listening, they are not in the playoffs. Okay. (laughs) No reason to watch anymore. Um, But yeah, like it's always the same teams that are in it. And yes, like the Packers have been in it before, but they haven't really been a perennial force in a while. The 49ers who haven't been a force in quite some time. Since Um, the Kaepernick days. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, like, Like the earlier days of Kaepernick too. I mean, the Chiefs, yes, they are, they're repeating uh, in the AFC Championship game two years in a row now. They're going to try to get over that hump after last year's just terrible. Well, Tennessee just beat the best quarterback of all time in Foxborough. They just beat Lamar Jackson, who's the MVP of the season this year, in Baltimore. Now they're actually going to their toughest matchup. I mean, it, no matter how good the, like, the Chiefs are playing – Playing an arrowhead is not an easy task. No, it is not an easy task given the fact that they were down 21 nothing and came back to win by 20, scoring 51 points. That was uh, just a hell of a One of the greatest comeback – yeah, greatest comeback. I mean, I wouldn't even call it a comeback because that all happened in the first quarter and then they proceeded to demolish after that. Two questions for you. But, One, sure. who – who do you think's going to make it to the Super Bowl, and who would you like to see? Unless you answer those the same, um, they will not be the same. Um, I do think, I do think that the Chiefs will win a close game. There is a chance that the Titans do win, uh, but I do think the Chiefs are the better team. Um, but I'm going to say Chiefs, 49ers. I, I this 49ers team is for real when you have an offense that has Kittle and Debo Samuel and, and they weren't even used this last week not even using Raheem Moster and no I one mean, only Tevin Coleman <laughs> a defense that has that has an injured D Ford that has I mean Richard Sherman playing unbelievable injured, yeah, Quan, Ale- injured Quan Alexander I mean rookie, rookie of the year defense in, yeah, in I, Nick Bosa like it's 
the team is Garoppolo is a game manager with a top Jeez. tight end. Um, Raheem Mostert, who I think is, you know, coming onto the scene as a very, very good running back that they just can't seem to figure out that they need to use him more often. Um, but I, I think the 49ers beat the Packers. I don't think the Packers are for real. They've made it this far. However, I don't know how. I don't. They've gotten it. lucky. I feel like they they got lucky. I mean, they've yeah, Seattle, who, yeah, they don't have the Packers. Don't have it. They have a, a great running back, a great wide receiver, and a great quarterback. The defense is good, uh, but not spectacular. The 49ers. Oh, the, the Niners would be a better team to watch. Yes, I I hope it's Niners uh, Titans. That's I think my... it's going to be Niners. I think it's going to be Niners Chiefs. Uh, but once again, I would not be surprised if it's Titans Packers. Either I, one, either yeah. one, I'm not going to be upset about. But I think yeah, again. exactly. It's four teams that I have no problem if any, any of them win it. Um, I do have a problem with the 49ers fans, and they're just. Uh, these I don't are know. I haven't we- met any. These are fair weather fans. They are um, very aggressive fans. So not a huge like, fan. Like Philly fans or like Patriots fans? Okay, they're different than both of them. Um, just those those fans are different. different. Yeah, but neither one of them are fair weather fans. That's for sure. <laughs> No, it definitely gets cold in the Northeast. <laughs> so, so that's where we, where we stand. Uh, we are a few days away from the AFC and NFC Championship Games, which will bring us to who is going to be playing in the Super Bowl come early February. What we want to talk about now is our main course. Our main topic is what we saw in 2019. And like I said before, this could mean patterns. This could mean, you know, good play from certain positions, bad play from others, or, you know, certain positions that – struggled this year versus were better last year or whatever it is there it's important to look at patterns it's important to look at positional you know breakdowns why they happened how they happened and you know whatever you saw do you you want to start i'll give it i'll give it a whirl so we we talked about this i know all three of us agree on this i we don't we don't draft quarterbacks early and we've been saying that we preach that and i know that there's a lot of other people in the industry that also preach it as well but just going to, you know, hit you with some knowledge. So the guy who finished first, uh, Lamar Jackson, what he did this season was, it was godlike. You know, it was, it was a privilege to watch him uh, and two other players that I'm sure we're going to be uh, talking about, you know, CMC, Michael Thomas. Watching all three of them play and what they did in the fantasy world this year was absolutely unreal, ridiculous. But back to quarterbacks. Lamar Jackson, I'm just going to run through. This is according to Fantasy Pros, the ranks. Top 11, and I'm going to do 11 because you'll see who number 11 is, and I want to talk about him briefly. Lamar Jackson, number one. Dak, Jameis Winston, Russell Wilson, Deshaun, Josh Allen at number six, Kyler, Mahomes, Carson, Rodgers at 10, and then to finish that top 11 off, I guess, is Matty Ice. Just what 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 stands out to you, Kile? I guess not stands out, but looking at the names, it's like. Well, what, what? stands out is that the <laughs> there that all the best quarterbacks we thought would finish in the top twelve, um, did for the most part. But however, there are also ones that were drafted well outside the top twelve that finished within the top 12 so i'd say half and half i mean before i dive into the adp from 2019 and you know who we had ranked where what it looks like is half and half half of the top 12 that we ranked you know that our, our rankings are in the top 12 and half of them we didn't rank um as top 12 it, so lamar was the 14th ranked quarterback dak was the 17th Jameis was the 15th 
And then Russell was eight. Deshaun was two. So Deshaun was ranked two, finished five. So not terrible. All right. Um, but then Josh Allen, that's my favorite one who finished sixth, and he was the 21st ranked quarterback. How he was ranked that low, well, I it was. I mean, it was. It was. It varies on person. I mean, I liked him going into the year not as much as he finished, but we knew he had potential. We just had to see him put it all together. And it was awesome. It was a privilege. Mahomes finished at eight. He was the number one. Obviously, chances are that probably would have been higher. He probably could have finished top five, maybe top four, if he didn't get hurt. So, but Maddie, ice, or Maddie not so ice. Uh, clearly, and we're going to talk about this as well. Uh, coaching. Coaching plays a huge factor. 13 games at home in a dome. I'm saying at home because they 13 games in a dome. I mean, Matt, Matt Ryan is good in a dome. Well, clearly not after this season because he proved me. I mean, I had him going over 5,000 yards, number one, whatever. My point is that we're getting out with this weight on your quarterbacks. You can get these guys so late. Josh Allen was going in like the 13th round. 12th round. Jameis Winston, eighth, middle of the eighth, late eighth, depending on your league. Dak was going in the 10th, and he dominated this year. He absolutely dominated. So the proof is in the pudding. Draft a quarterback late. That is the one thing that I'm always going to stick to. I don't, know, I don't know how you feel, but that is like one thing that I preach, and I very – I, I don't steer away from it at all. Well, that's always been my th- – I mean, I've, I've, you know, preached it alongside for a very long time. I mean, you know, I loved Mahomes this year going into the season. However, I knew that you had to pay the, you know, late second, early to mid third round price. Exactly. I'm not willing to pay when I can get a top 12 running back wide receiver potentially at that, you know, at, more, at its more scarce position. You'll, you only have to start one quarterback in 90% of leagues uh, unless you play in a two-quarterback league. So, or a super flex. However, you do have to start at least two running backs, at least two wide receivers, sometimes more. So for me, they are a much more valuable position. Uh, I do agree with that philosophy about the quarterback position. You can wait on them. And you have to. It's, it's... My, my thinking behind it, though, is not so much just that. It's the fact that when you do draft a top six quarterback, you, you can and will be disappointed with at least two of them. Yeah. Baker Mayfield. Baker oh, Mayfield. He was the number one. Yep, he was the biggest one. How about the injury? Look, he had a – I thought he had a good year. But Drew Brees got injured, okay? He finished outside the top 20. And I'm not saying that's his fault. What I'm saying is it happens. So when you draft a top six quarterback, Drew Brees, Baker Mayfield, I, I mean, if you want to consider even in that category, Jared Goff, who was on some people's boards in the top six, top eight, they finished outside of the top 12. And he finished 13th. Yeah, and that's my point, is that when you, when, you, when you invest heavily in a quarterback position that can be streamed each and every week for basically the entire uh, season, it's Patrick. Just, look at Fitzpatrick. On average, on average, 40 quarterbacks. Each season, on average, 40 quarterbacks have at least one top 12 week. Okay? It's crazy. What it shows is that the, the position is, is completely – it's dependent on its players, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, defense, everything. I'm, I'm willing to gamble on a quarterback that I can pick up on the waiver wire and instead secure a sixth, seventh, eighth round running back or wide receiver that I think has higher upside. And this year that was Gardner Minshew. I mean, <laughs> well, think, well, in the beginning, exactly. In the beginning of the season, Gardner Minshew, solid. Played very well. Didn't turn the ball over. And then if you were lucky, towards the middle of the season, when Marcus Mariota got set, 
you picked up Ryan Tannehill, who absolutely dominated. He actually from – okay, so he was the number six quarterback since he took over the starting position for Marcus Mariota. Week six until week 17, he was the number six quarterback. Yeah, and that's that's what shows – I mean, and I that proves off. it, right? Right. It's not going to happen every year. <laughs> I mean, I could read off a ton of quarterbacks that were either drafted late or not drafted that finished somewhere in that, like – 12 to 25 range that at some point would have helped you if you picked them up at a certain point and dropped them. Daniel exactly. Jones, Kyle Allen, Kobe Brissett, um, even Andy Dalton when he came back for a period of time. I mean, Sam Darnold for some weeks at that time, he had that two, three touchdown weeks. Our point is that quarterbacks, we sing the praise every year, when it, whether it's the end of the year or the beginning of the year, wait on quarterbacks. Very important. Yeah, exactly. All right, so mine focused on a position as well. Um, there might be a theme to this because my next one does as well, but whatever. Uh, my first one is at the running back position. Love running backs. And my, my quote for running back position um, from 2019 and what we saw is, certainty will help you, but uncertainty will kill you. And Ooh, what do I, are you what getting, do I mean? Are you getting pillows made? I know. What, are I, you? <laughs> what do I mean by that? I'll take, on, a, I'll take a koozie. <laughs> or, or a towel, a dish let me towel. Repeat, let me repeat that for everybody to listen. <laughs> certainty will help you, but uncertainty will kill you at the running back position. And what I'm talking about most is the first and second round running backs. Mm-hmm. Top 10, top 12 running backs. If you go back to, you know, late July, early August, you were doing your rankings at the running back especially. You know, you had your, you had your lists of who your favorite players were, favorite running backs were. And, I, you know, mine, we go back to my rankings, but Saquon Barkley was everyone's number one pick. Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara. Those were the top three picks in almost every single league. Then you saw Zeke. Until Zeke. Then Zeke came, right. (laughs) But for the most part, all of the top, say, nine to ten running backs were being drafted in the first, like, 14, 15 picks. For the most part. Okay. However, no, this is my point. Most of them. The certainty. (laughs) Who were the the running backs going into the year that I was most certain of? I knew what they were capable of. I knew what they were going to finish at. Ooh, let me guess. Let me guess. There's four. CMC, Zeke, Kam- yeah, yeah, Kamara and Saquon. I mean, Correct. those are the four that you know. And, and if Correct. Saquon didn't get hurt, right? Exactly. And that's including this is including Saquon's injury. <laughs> However, I went into the year with absolute certainty that those first four running backs should be drafted in the first four or five picks. No questions about it. I had the faith they were the center point of their offense. They are generational talents, and they deserved being picked up. You weren't terribly disappointed. That's my point, is you shouldn't have been disappointed. They all had great <laughs> – Saquon finished with an injury, with an injury that missed an extended period of time. Like three weeks. He finished – should have missed he, more. Right, well, he finished 10th at the running back position in PPR. In PPR, yeah. CMC finished first, obviously. We all know that. Even with the, even with the up-and-down season Kamara had – I was going to say, yes, with his finished, season, no, not even scoring a touchdown. <laughs> he finished ninth in PPR formats. And, and, and getting hurt. Correct, and getting hurt. And Ezekiel Elliott finished third, okay? So the certainty was there. All of them finished as top 10 running backs, including Saquon, who was hurt. Boy, was now it ever. Let, now let's go to the uncertainty. I had uncertain beliefs in all five of these running backs going into the year. Did I draft some of the way, wait, wait? You probably did. did. I, I think you I, did. I drafted one. I drafted two out of the five, but on different teams, thankfully. But I had uncertainty in all five top 12 running backs going into the year. Some of them I had ranked in my top 12. Some of them I did not. However, I had question marks for all of them. 
And this is what happens. When you go into that late July, early August, mid-August time frame, you're saying, you know what, I want to get that top-tier running back. I need to complete the first or second round getting a top-tier running back. So even if it means reaching for one and bypassing Michael Thomas, Julio Jones, whoever it is, I'm going to bypass them and I'm going to take the top-tier running back. Michael Thomas should be the second pick. However, let's get let's get to those five running backs. Oh, I think I, I think I have take a couple a guess. of them. Take all your, right, take all right. Your guesses. So Todd Gurley. That's one. Joe Mixon. That's two. Um... I'm trying to look at like who is kind of. Do not look at anything. Uh, Sonny Michelle. No. Top, but, uh, top, top 15 going into the year. I guess I thought he was top 15. Nah, not for me at least. James Connor. Yep. That's, oh. that's three. James Connor. Uh, David Johnson. That's four. <laughs> and who's five? The five oh, is the one. man. Five might be tough. Five's the easiest one, actually. Really? Melvin Gordon? Yeah. Who had the most uncertainty? Changing teams. Unsure of how good that team would be. Lev Bell. Number five is Le'Veon Bell. Woo! Okay. So going into uh, 2019. And they out all of finish top 75. Yeah. <laughs> the only one out of them I had the most amount of certainty in was Le'Veon Bell. Because Le'Veon Bell at least was going to get his fill. He got paid like it. He was going to get his fill. He was and if get- Sam Darnold... Didn't nope. go, yeah, get his mononucleosis. Didn't go AWOL, exactly, yeah. and just start making out with everyone. So <laughs> He actually would have had a better season, Lev Bell, I think, because they would have found a rhythm. So going in, so the five of them going into mid to late August were all top five to top 12 running backs at the position, okay, ADP-wise. So that means all five of them were potentially late first round, mid to late first round, or even early second round. Picks. By the latest second round, yeah. So – Joe Mixon had a nice finish to his season, so he finished 13th in PPR. Todd Gurley had, again, a little bit of a late push in the, in the, you know, in the season, finished 14th. Le'Veon Bell, 16th. Let's get into the better part now. James Conner finished 35th in PPR. He also did only play like four. I understand, but his role in the offense was very muddled at periods well, of time, too. And the other thing is, is that Big Ben also I got understand. hurt. I'm not debating that, but there but were no, I mean, it's, it proves your point. <laughs> and then David Johnson, David Johnson Don't finished 37th in PPR. The Cardinals so are... it could have been injury, but I can tell you that David Johnson for me going into the year was all about new coach, new offensive scheme, new quarterback. Bad offensive you... but uh, fine. Let me good. finish. Let me finish. Oh my God. Le'Veon Bell, new team, bad team or potentially bad team. Um, but he was going to get his fill. I get it. Adam Gates too. I didn't like that. James yeah. Conner, James Conner. Could he be just a one-year wonder? He should have finished. If Big Ben was there, he was going to finish top 20. Todd Gurley, going into the year, injury history, out the ass. We weren't sure what was going to happen with him. And guess what? He kind of got pushed pushed to that late first, early second for a lot of teams. And the 14th position uh, to finish at is not the worst. If he was my number two or something like that, like if I got CMC or – Zeke first or something. I got Todd Gurley as my second. Okay. Right. You wouldn't feel as upset. I'm However, not terrible. then the Joe Mixon won another one where people were touting him. And my biggest thing was bad team, bad offensive line, bad offense, new coach. Pro- proven. Next year he may be good with Joe. So Gurley. my point is, is that as much as I pride myself on the love for early round running backs, don't get stupid. Okay. I understand if you want to get your, your bell cow back, your 60 reception guy, your, you know, feature running back. But don't get the wrong one. Don't bypass a top-end wide receiver next year, someone like Chris Godwin, okay, or Julio Jones. 
don't bypass them just to get a quote-unquote top-tier running back. That's not worthy of – hey, think Monty Ball. Monty Ball had one good year. No Sean Moreno. They had one good year under their belt, so they went as top 12, 14 picks. And guess what? They disappointed. And then they were never heard from again. So while it's great to get a top-end running back, and I will be the first one to say that I love getting one, I would rather have a wide receiver I can count on or a Travis Kelsey or a George Kill that I can Ooh, Travis Kelsey. So that's my big thing. Anyway. I love it. I think that's great. And it's funny because you try to do it, but then when the draft happens, your emotions just start like – yeah, and your research, crazy. your research trust start to get in your head, and you're like, well, I really should. But, hey, think about it next year. If you're sitting at the turn there, you're sitting at the 2-2, two, two, whatever it may be, do you really feel comfortable saying, hey, you know what? I'm going to take Todd Gurley. No, you're not going to feel comfortable because you don't know his role in the offense. Right you know now, I mean? like, don't know. If Le'Veon Bell stays in New York, uh, what Maybe. happens? Baby. You know what I mean? Like, what do you feel that way again? Do the Jets get better? Do they get worse? Is he worth the pick? It's his, like, do his, you pick Lev Bell or Todd Gurley? His yards per carry was one of the worst ever. I mean, or is was the, was the worst ever. Like, there are so many question marks with those bottom end running backs. If you have faith in that first, you know, if you have top five pick, have faith in Ezekiel Elliott. Have faith in and, Christian McCaffrey. And then Nick look Chubb. at the guys, though. Like, look at Leonard Fournette. He did right. it. Still performed. Nick Chubb, Dalvin Cook. These guys I, were all right. drafted late first round. But they all performed, they're, and they're going right. to. And, I'm, and that's what I'm saying also is that, yes, some of these guys, you know, some of those guys, Dalvin Cook, Leonard Fournette, they'll replace. Derrick Henry. They'll, yeah, Derrick Henry. They will replace the, the late first, early round, second round running backs that went this year. But there's always going to be that, that problem, you know, the, the best case scenario, worst case scenario kind of thing. You're always going to have to make that decision. And if you feel uncomfortable drafting a running back in the late first, early second, just because you want to fill the position, just take the top tier wide receiver or tight end. Just do it. It's worth it. I promise you. And that's, that'll be my second point later on. Which we're going to love talking about. So wide receivers, this, this is actually, I guess, a, a point that I, I look at as well. Now, obviously, you look at certain teams. Do they need to throw the ball more? You know, like you have your Tyler Boyds from Cincinnati who – Naturally, they're going to be throwing the ball a lot because they only won one game, and I'm still surprised that they won. Who who did they beat? Who who did who did the Bengals beat? I, 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 I don't remember. I, <laughs> I think it might have been the New York Jets. Oh God, the Jersey because Jets! Because for the first time, I think it was the first time in NFL history that a team lost two separate teams that were at least zero and seven. Oh boy, the Miami Dolphins and the Cincinnati Bengals. Oh boy, that could have been the Dolphins' first pick. The Dolphins could be getting Joe Burrow, but they decided to win games. So. I want to talk 30 seconds about Joe Burrow for a second. Guy's Not unreal. The greatest season in college football history. Probably the greatest. He's actually I – would, I wouldn't be surprised. Ever. He's the best college quarterback for that season. Like, Ever. for one season. And he does it with – he does it with the same kind of flair Baker did it with, but he's better. No, he's not – Baker is like a – No, no, it's that same pizzazz, like that same, like, I don't care what you think about me attitude. Like, I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to be flamboyant. I'm going to be – you know, some hate me. 60 some touchdowns? 59 or 60, was it? Well, he, he tied Colt Brennan's and then he broke it. <laughs> um, anyway. Colt Brennan, remember him? Oh, yeah, my uh, – Hawaii, University of Hawaii. The uh, island of Kava'i, yeah. But targets – Targets per game, opportunity, that's what creates top fantasy wide receivers. You, got, you have to look at the numbers because the more they're going to throw to these guys, the better off they are. 
So the guys that finished that had the highest target, Michael Thomas, Julio Jones. Now I'm going to say Devonta Adams because he did play. So when he played, I mean, he, yes, he got hurt, but when he played, he actually was still eating up targets from Aaron Rodgers. Julian Edelman, Keenan Allen, uh, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Jarvis Landry. These guys all got peppered. Allen Robinson even, who had a surprisingly pretty decent year. I still couldn't believe actually how high he finished. He finished eighth. That's kind of ridiculous in a PPR. Yeah, it was actually – I was very surprised given the fact that the Bears offense was bad and yet he – Towards the end of the season, though, he was actually nice – year. Really yeah. nice year. So these guys, look at these guys, and a lot of these wide receivers, they finish. Michael Thomas, since he was drafted, he has finished in the top. Chris Godwin, we all knew – well, not we all knew, but this was his second year. This is where he had to prove it, and he did, clearly. Jameis Winston throws the ball 65 times a game, throws five interceptions, 450 yards, but then he'll throw maybe four touchdowns. I'll take that. I don't care. 30 for 30, Jameis Winston. <laughs> New show. Uh, Julio Jones. Look at your – even your Cooper Cups, who kind of – I don't know. The Rams offense just wasn't clicking, like was not playing well at all. But DeAndre Hopkins finished number five. The names I'm listing, that's one, two, three, four, five that have finished PPR. Look at Keenan Allen. Guy gets peppered with targets from, from Philip, who I think might be done in L.A. I mean, I just feel bad for him. He needs to retire. Julian Edelman got peppered with targets by Tom Brady. But who knows if that'll continue. They're probably both going to retire at the same time, go live together on an island. Uh, Allen Robinson, uh, even K Kenny Galladay, I, I guess his situation was a little different. But the point is, look at these wide receivers that get all of these targets. I mean, their target share, like even Tyreek Hill. Patrick Mahomes spreads the ball. He does actually a very good job of spreading the ball. But these opportunities create more fantasy points so look at the targets look at the target share how many times are these quarterbacks throwing the ball and who are they throwing it to naturally drew Brees doesn't really throw to anyone else so michael thomas should be the number two pick He's, he should be the number one wide receiver from here on out until he falls apart which i don't think is ever going to happen but look at the targets yeah, and the targets matter even, like, the, we can talk about targets now and, like, what happened this year. However, you know, you can talk about DeAndre Hopkins always going to get his fill and, you know, Julio Jones is always going to get his fill. And, you know, we know, we know the stars are going to get their fill. It's more about how many targets are vacated when a certain player leaves. How many targets? Well, that, that exactly. You got to look you at know, that. Now we'll be looking at that in the offseason as well. Right, right. I'm saying, like, when the offseason comes, when April, May, July, August, how many targets – is someone going to lose because a wide receiver was injured last year and is now coming back or the offense has changed and it's going to be spread out more. And, you know, there's a lot of things to talk about, but you follow the money, you follow the targets, you follow the opportunities and that it won't lead you down a, you know, a bad, a, a bad way. I promise you. Okay. So my, my second pattern that I saw related somewhat to the wide receiver and tight end position, um, like you talked about, but it's a little different. So what I did was I went back to uh, 2018 and I took a look at um, the tight end position. I took a, a, a then I took a, a nice look at the wide receiver position. And what I saw was that there was a huge, huge step down from 2018 to 2019 for uh, points scored by the tight ends and points scored by the wide receivers. I, yeah. I, couldn't, get over, I couldn't get over it because it's across the board. 
So 2018, Travis Kelsey finishes as the number one tight end, 295 points. I mean, he was at the same rate as the num- as wide receiver eight, which was Juju Smith-Schuster. They both put up 295 or 296 points. 296, yeah. So which, which going into this year was like, wow. I mean, I have no problem taking Travis Kelsey where I'm taking Juju, which was like, you know, uh, last pick of the first round, early pick of the first pick of the second round kind of thing. Ertz, 280 last year, uh, George Kittle, 259, Eric Ebron, 222, and then Jared Cook, 194. So those were the top five tight ends, and then there was a big breakoff after that in 2018. That was the best, you know, the best of the bunch. Now you take a look at 2019. Travis Kelsey finished at 254 for points. That would be that is, the number. That is a, that is a, a 40-point diff, difference. I can't do math. That's a 40-point difference than last season. I thought, like, maybe it's just Kelsey. Maybe it's just – I get it. It's just he had a bad year. But then I, look, I looked at it again. George Kittle finished his number two tight end. He put up 223. The, two, the number two tight end last year, Ertz, put up 280. That is a 60, almost a 60-point difference. Number three, 259 down to 221. Number four was pretty close, 222 to 215. But what I saw was that Travis Kelsey – this year finished with 254 points. And that same exact player who was comparable to wide receiver eight, Juju Smith-Schuster, last year for points, was comparable to Allen Robinson this year, which was also wide receiver eight. And now this is where it got interesting. <laughs> because the wide, the, wide receiver rec- the wide receiver drop-off was so significant. I'm, I'm looking at it right now, and I didn't realize how. So at first I was like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. And it's a pass-heavy lead, right. which is That's exactly. So that's when I, saw, when I saw that it was comparable to Allen Robinson in number eight, too, I was like, how is he still comparable to the wide receiver eight? That makes absolutely no sense. And then I, de- I dive a little deeper into the wide receivers. DeAndre Hopkins, I'll go through the 2018, the top eight in 2018. DeAndre Hopkins at 334, Devontae Adams at 330, Tyreek Hill, 328. So really not a big difference between them. 334, 330, 328, 326 for Julio Jones, 324 for Antonio Brown, 316 for Michael Thomas, 307 for Adam Thielen, and then Juju at 297. So they're all really close, actually. Pretty relatively close. I mean, all of them had really nice years. They were all Um, top wide receivers anyway. Right. So basically anybody from wide receiver eight all the way up to wide receiver one had 300 total fantasy points in a PPR. Now let's get into 2019. This is where it got very interesting. Michael Thomas, we all know, number one wide receiver, he finished with 375 points, okay? Which is 40 points more than last year's wide receiver one. Okay. How, how much more is it than the second place wide receiver? Second, number two wide receiver was Chris Godwin. 14 games. Well, I know, but it doesn't matter. Like 14, but, yes, it does. Because it's it does, proving I your know, point. I, I, my point is, is though, but if he still only played 14 games and he was wide receiver two, it shows a pattern. Chris Godwin had 276 points, comparable to Devontae Adams last year at number two, who had 330 points. And that, I'm not trying to compare amount of games they played or anything. I'm comparing the fact that the number two wide receiver last year put up 330, and the number two wide receiver in the NFL this season put up 276 points. Which last year would have been like the number 15 wide receiver. Correct. Yeah. Let's go down the list. Julio Jones, 274. His counterpart was Tyree Kill last year, 328. Cooper Cup, 271. Julio, 326. DeAndre Hopkins, 270. Antonio Brown, 324. Michael Thomas last year, 316. Keenan Allen this year, 262. Adam Thielen last year, 307. Julian Edelman, 256. And then lastly, Juju, 297 last year. Allen Robinson, 255. 
What a significant drop-off. Almost every single one of those players saw a 40 or more point differential from their counterpart who finished at that same exact position last year. But the quarterback positions did not have that severe of a drop-off. So it's like the, the, they must be spreading the ball a lot more. It seems like there's some more injuries. Do you, know what the, do you want to know what the pattern is? I have absolutely no idea. I don't know. There That's, is no continuity to it. I mean, whatsoever. yeah, it's all relevant, but it, it also is goes relevant. to show you that, like, drafting two top running backs, you know, could potentially – because I feel like their points are always – unless look, you're McCaffrey, who scored 100 more points than the second-place running back – or, or, Michael, or, right, or Michael Thomas, who put up 99 points difference. Than, Actually, no, I lied. It's not 100 points, CMC. It's more than that. 157 more points yeah, than Aaron Jones. it's way more than that, I'm about to say. Lamar Jackson, he scored 73 more points than Dak. Yep. So what we saw is just pure dominance from the number one positions this year. One number ones at their position this year. Year. Except for tight end, who was kind of it was kind of. I close. mean, tight end there was a thirty point difference, so it's not as severe, obviously. But Michael Thomas, ninety nine point difference last year between DeAndre Hopkins and Devonte Adams, there was a four point difference between DeAndre Hopkins and Devonte. Okay, this year, ninety nine points. My point is, is that this season we saw a lot of weird patterns. Okay, whether it was the running back position, the wide receiver position, or the tight end position. The, the running back wasn't as severe when I looked into it. It really wasn't a big difference between 2018 top 12 versus 2019 top 12. But the wide receiver and tight end was so significant. There was such a big difference, difference when it came to points based on their exact position last year. And maybe it's because they concentrated more on their star players last year. Everything went to DeAndre Hopkins in that offense in 2018. Everything went to Ty- Tyreek Hill and to Devontae Adams and to Julio Jones and whoever it is. Maybe that's the case. Maybe this year we saw a coming out party for players like, um, you know, Darren Waller putting up points for uh, Oakland and Mark Andrews for Baltimore. But maybe there is a pattern here. Maybe next year we'll see something similar. I, I don't know. I just thought it was very interesting to point out. Um, no, that's, that's a really good trend to point out. Exactly. Like, cause I'm thinking like, okay, so what does this mean? But we, I don't, we don't, we don't know. The, right. the quarterbacks, they're throwing the ball a lot more, but like, and I, we just talked about targets, but, are they still spreading it out? They're throwing – I mean, quarterbacks seem to be throwing the ball a lot more. Now, running backs, there was more than nine from last year, I believe, that actually did rush for over 1,000, correct? Uh, oh, yeah. Because there was only nine in 2018. So, but what I – like, I can we can talk about each one of these players and why there was a, maybe a dip. And it doesn't have to be – Look, I'm not talking about, you know, DeAndre Hopkins being 60 points less than he had last year. What I'm talking about is positional, you know. But it's, it's good to point out that Chris Godwin finished as number two at 276, but that's because also they have Mike Evans. And Julio finished at 274 because they have Calvin Ridley and the offense was lesser than we were hoping they would be. Cooper Cup, Robert Woods is there. You know, Todd Gurley, once again, the offense wasn't as good. Um, so the list can go on, you know, Houston adding Kenny Stills and Will Fuller having, you know, another year, you know, injury history, but you know, when he did play, he played well. So there is reasons. However, it was just worthy of pointing out that as a position, as a wide receiver and tight end position, we saw a big dip. Five quarterbacks. So it was 16, actually 16 running backs went over a thousand yards this past season. Yeah, there was a lot. That's a, that's a that's, lot. Maybe that's, maybe that is part of it. Is the fact that maybe they got more? They went more towards the towards running the rock this year. Maybe they got away from having to pass because the, ball the year before there was only nine. 
Yes, and there's been seasons with six running backs running for 1,000 yards. And yes, there are better – there's better running backs in the NFL now that there have been in a long time. I mean, I can think of, you know, 15 teams that have star running backs. And that, in the past, was never really a thing. So maybe that's what the pattern is attributed to is, you know, they're still passing the ball a lot, but they're spreading it out more. Or they're trying to run the ball more with their star running backs. Or they're – I don't know. But I James, found it very – Jameis Winston, Jared Goff, Matt Ryan, Tom Brady, and Carson Wentz. These all five guys have in common, they threw the ball over 600 times this past season. Wow. Dak, 596, and Philip, 591. And then Aaron with 569. So clearly you see some of these quarterbacks that are actually throwing the ball a lot more. So they're spreading it. I mean, they have, they have to be spreading it around. I think it's a, it's a great trend. And I'm actually really interested to see what's going to happen next year now. Yeah, I mean, it could it could go back to how it was before. I mean, we could see the fact that maybe Tyreek Hill went down for a period of time this season, could have finished as wide receiver too. Um, you know, Adam Thielen wasn't healthy at all this year and just had a down year altogether. Um, I mean, Juju, another one who had a down year altogether. These are guys who can put up 300 points at the wide receiver position. You know, Kelsey, Kelsey is Kelsey. I mean, Kelsey's always going to score somewhere between 250 and 300 points. That's just who he is. Oh, yeah. But Ertz had a down year. I and mean, he still finished four at the position. Right. I mean, so there, there are some reasons for it. I'm not debating that. It's just I am interested to see where we, you know, where we stand next this time next year. Is it going to be the same pattern? Are we going to run so the ball more? New coaches. Yeah, new yeah. offensive schemes that are going to change. A lot, of, a lot of new coaches. And that's another thing, too, that – and we talk about this in the offseason as well, and we're going to be talking about it soon in one of the near future episodes. Coaching changes, coaching – schemes, everything, offensive coordinators, that matters. Now, naturally, some players are still going to perform. Like, I don't right. think the fact that Mike McCarthy's coming into Dallas and he's going to keep Kellen Moore, but maybe he'll have a say in the offense. Zeke's going to perform. McCaffrey clearly can perform with Kyle Allen, who was good for wow. like three games and then yeah. did bad, and then Ron Rivera get fired, and then Perry Fuel, probably one of the worst coaches. I don't know how he has a job. But clearly he can do it because he scored over 400 fantasy points this year. Yeah. Oh, he is. Yeah, it's important to note that there are certain ones that are just not going. It's gonna do, it's, they're going to do it. And there's going to be some people that improve because of it. And we'll get into this, I'm sure, and then, you know, when we do in our, in our, in our next or whenever the episode's going to be. But there is one that I do want to talk about related to that because it was the last head coach that was just hired. Kevin Stefanski goes from being uh, the offensive coordinator in Minnesota to Cleveland. He is now the head coach of Cleveland, which is twofold coach, now. Yes. Okay. What that means is Nick Chubb had a very good year, and I think he's going to get better because what we've seen from Kevin Stefanski is that he loves to run the ball. He loves to run the ball. He's always going to finish in the top five um, in the NFL in terms of rushing attempts for, a, for his team. Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb. But the other part of that is the fact that what happens in Minnesota? What happens – if Minnesota decides to return to a more more passing, maybe even split more of an even split more, you know, or the little bit of an edge to the passing, what happens to Dalvin Cook's potential 25 rushing attempts per game? What we saw in the first five, six games of the season was Dalvin Cook was getting the rock. I mean, he and got he, And then he wasn't. I mean, he true. was. He I, still I, I'm not disagreeing. He still finished top, but I totally. His injury, history caught, his injury history almost caught up with him too. Exactly. But then again, is that going to happen this season? I mean, is right. Dalvin still a top? Six, oh yeah, seven it's his, he's a question. Back? 
But what made him such an intriguing play and why he was my favorite, one of my top three favorite players coming into the year is because of Stefanski's love of running the ball. And now that he's gone, what does that mean? What does that mean for the Vikings? What does it mean for Dalvin Cook? And we'll get into that. I just thought it was a, you know, interesting to point out. Oh, I can't, I can't wait for that actually, because I'm going to be drafting Nick Chubb oh. and we'll, we'll see. He's got some weapons. I mean, it's a very similar situation that he's moving from Minnesota where he's going to have two solid wide receivers and a solid running back. Oh, and he's also got Kareem Hunt too. Mm-hmm. Well, for now, no, well, Kareem Hunt could depend, end up depending if they exactly, but yeah. I'm saying like, if they wanted to use yeah. a two headed monster of that, but Nick Chubb and another, another coaching change and or changing teams type of discussion, Ryan Tannehill, we talked about him. It clearly was not working in Miami. Nothing works for anyone in Miami. No, it's not in Miami. It's, it's Adam Gase. It's Adam Gase. That is correct. But, again, Miami, I think, is just it's, – it's beautiful. I mean, that's what they got going for them. It's beautiful weather. It's, <laughs> you, you, you play in Miami. What could be worse? Uh, absolutely dominated in the Tennessee. Like I said, he was the sixth quarterback since he took over. Week six, Marcus Mariota. It's very unfortunate. He's a good guy. Just maybe he, maybe, maybe he needs a change of scenery. You know, we'll see what happens. But the other one I really want to talk about is another Miami Dolphin and Kenyon Drake. Holy crap. I think that he is the perfect example that Miami does not know how to use talent and that coaching plays a very big role because Arizona is not a good team at all. Bad bad offensive line. Terrible. Just so all over the place, defense and offense and everything. And yet Kenyon Drake. How did he do it? How did he do it? What I think we will also get into at some point, uh, you know, sometime in like February, March, is guys who are on the cusp of greatness, but also we are so unsure about. Like Kenyon Drake like was Kenyon the biggest Drake. one. Where does he go next year? Is a guy who finished so strong, could be re-signed to a nice contract with the Cardinals. He could. Where do, we dra- where do we draft him? Is he a, you know, late first, early second round pick? Or is he... Because they're not going to use David Johnson. And then Chase Edmonds is actually not no. a bad running back either. Well, David Johnson, I think, will be gone. Whatever. We'll get to this at a later point. But David Johnson, I think, is going to be gone. He was actually the number seven running back from weeks 11 to 17. Yeah. And in Drake. So, Miami. Yeah, it's a Miami thing. They were probably crying their eyes out. I also think it was an Adam Gase thing. Of course, but it's like. uh, Yeah. Before we we part ways on this, I do. (laughs) Think about it. Adam Gase leaves town. Okay. Ryan Tannehill finds a new place and he becomes a star quarterback for the Tennessee Titans. Kenyon Drake away from the Super Bowl. Kenyon Drake ends up in Arizona where he becomes potentially a star running back. Devontae Parker, for the first time in his career, becomes a star wide receiver. It's just, is it, is it just coincidence? Or is it because was Adam Gase really the underlying factor? And then and then Lev Bell has the most touches of his career and, and has a terrible year. Yeah, I think this might be an Adam Gase thing. I don't think he should have a job. I will, I will digress on that. Anyway. Maybe go be a special teams coach at a high school. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that is our episode. Uh, what we saw in 2019 and the patterns that mattered. Um, we are the Fantasy Fam. We can be found on most, if not all, podcast platforms. Um, including, the, import, the important ones. Yeah, including Apple, uh, include iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. I don't do this, so I'm not used to this. Oh, that's um, well, you can be found at thefantasyfam.com. Please feel free to send us a question, review, comment, whatever it may be. We are also uh, on Twitter as well. Please be kinder on that one because some people aren't as friendly on Twitter. 
but that is at the Fantasy Fam. The trolls. Yeah. This is the Fantasy Fam signing. Off.